0: Hi Church, I'm Lindy Brentnell from 6pm at St Augustine's. Our reading today comes from Deuteronomy 8, 6 to 18. Please read along with me. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, A land with brooks, streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock, He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Will I ever be happy again? That's the question for today, asked by a member of our community, perhaps even by yourself. Now, everything on the table, I'm, uh, if you know me, a positive person. I'm a seven, hashtag Enneagram. I always find the good even in the bad, but even someone like me has asked this question. I remember entering Sydney University to study a Bachelor of Education. And for the first six months, I was lonely, I was disconnected, I was by myself, remembering the good old days of school. I remember sitting at the bottom of Manning Bar asking this question Will I ever be happy? Now, there's a thousand reasons why someone might ask this question, but what I want to look at today is the topic behind this question to journey through the topic of happiness. You know, it's interesting, positive psychologists who study our happiness have worked out the the factors that uh, that enhance or hinder our own happiness, and they say when it comes to your own life circumstances, your situation you're in, it only counts for about 10% of your happiness, So whether you become healthier, fitter, wealthier, it's only going to influence about 10% of your own happiness. They say 50% of your happiness is determined by your genes. Not your just genes genes, but your genes, your DNA, the way you've been made and born. So if you're born a pessimist, born an optimist, that's the way it is. Regardless of how many setbacks or triumphs you've had, 50% is determined by your genes outside of our control. But psychologists say there's about 40% is in your control. 40% of what you do and the habits and the thinking that you have influences the kind of happiness that you experience. Now, you might be thinking I'd like it to be 90%, but it's about 40%. So what I want to do is to speak into that 40% of what is in our control largely and what kind of unhealthy habits, unhealthy thinking have we adopted that actually hinder our own happiness and see what the Bible has to say about the topic of happiness. Now, I know for some of you thinking Christianity and happiness, they are two ingredients that do not go together. But come with me and let's see the interesting and surprising things the Bible has to say about your own happiness. You know, three things. And the first is going to be odd to both the skeptic and the Christian alike. The first point is this, God is happy. Now, if we were playing a game of categories, right, and the category of words that describe God came up, we rolled the dice, and the letter, the letter was H, or H, as some of you like to know. Gave you a couple of you a minor heart attack there. The letter was H, right? And I presume you'd come up with the words of holy, helper, healer, but the word happy you probably wouldn't write down. Because you read the Bible and the word happy is not, all that commoner. And yet the word blessed is. Now, the word blessed is just another word for the word happy. You could easily translate them either way. So when it says God is a blessed God, it's really saying God is a happy God. I mean, you see this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, where it says the glorious gospel of the blessed God, of the happy God. See, God is happy, has been and always will. When Jesus was being baptized, God the Father said of his Son, this is my son, who I'm well pleased with. In other words, he brings a smile to my face all the time. Later in Luke 10, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, it says to his Father, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. That God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have you experiencing happiness for all eternity. So the pursuit of happiness is not a bad thing because God is happy. But what we have done. We've taken that God is happy and we've flipped it so that happiness is God in our world. In our culture, in our Western culture, we wholeheartedly believe the statement that happiness is the most important thing in the world. I mean, what does every parent say about their kids? All I want for them is to be happy. So the grid we see the world we live in is through the lens of happiness, the jobs we take, the places we live, the partner we marry. Does this make me happy? So as we're sorting clothes and asking, does this spark joy? Meanwhile, Pharrell Williams is singing, happiness is the truth in the background. Happiness in our culture is the most important thing. Happiness is a good thing, but what we've subtly done is move it from an important thing to the most important thing as if every night moving dessert to be the main dish and that becoming the norm. The Bible says something very different. Happiness is not God. Happiness is a gift. God wants us to experience the happiness that he has permanently been experiencing for all eternity. And he gives it to us in the forms of all sorts of gifts. In Deuteronomy 8, which is read out for us, there's a picture of God taking his people into the promised land, into a good land. And it goes like this, verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out of, into valleys of hill and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vine and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you'll lack nothing. Does seem like an ad for the Hunter Valley, doesn't it? Not, and now why are they experiencing this? It's not because they've earned it. It's not a reward. It's it's a gift. That God always wants His people to enjoy good things, and you can just feel the anticipation, the excitement, the smiles that are creeping in as God's people would have heard this. And everything in this world that we enjoy is given to us by God as gifts gifts to make us happy. I mean, you think about the wonder of the natural world. I mean, it's spring, the warmth and the cool breeze, the flowers, the sunsets, the sunrises, the surf, the colours, the textures, the tastes. About a month ago, I woke up my family one Saturday morning uh, quite early at the crack of dawn to get them in the car to drive up the mountains to see potentially snow. Kids have never seen snow before. I'd only seen it once in my life. And as we're getting past Katoomba, I see that first crystal hit the glass on the car on the windscreen, and then another, and then another. And before we know it, we're surrounded by snow and the joy and the happiness that brought us. I'm still smiling when I think about it. God has given us a beautiful, magical world to enjoy, and it is a gift to bring happiness. It's not just the natural world. He's given us people. There's a social happiness that God has gifted us. I mean, the people around us, the joy of family, the the comfort of friends, whether it's around a big dinner table or just a one-on-one catch-up. There's physical happiness, a hug from a friend or a high-five. Remember those? A bushwalk, Exercise, cycle, even sex with a spouse, all gifts of God. There's intellectual happiness, an aha moment, uh, learning a new idea, reading a book. There's humor, a laugh, a good old belly laugh, a joke, a funny story. All these are gifts of God to bring us happiness, to enjoy. They're not here by accident. They're not here as a reward or a bribe. They are gifts to enjoy. But there's also a warning in that Deuteronomy 8 passage, is there not? Where it says, verse 11, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands. So good are the good things that God has gifted us that it is easy to forget. Where we take God's stuff and we fail to remember who gave it to us and to thank him. G.K. Chesterton said, The atheist sees beauty, but has no one to thank, and thus no one to be happy in. Now, you might not identify as an atheist, but often we are functional atheists, where we live our life without reference to God. We take what he's given us, but we ignore him completely. And in the end, it reduces our happiness. Whether you read Academic Research or Cosmo magazine, all of them say, in terms of boosting happiness, one of the key things is gratefulness. A gratefulness, right, is more than just saying thank you. A grateful person is, sees that everything that comes into life as a gift, as a gift we didn't deserve, a gift that's been freely given to us, and a gift where we say thank you to the giver. You might call yourself a thankful person. But until you regularly thank God for all the gifts that you enjoy this day and every day, you don't even come close. Happiness is the gift of God. And if you begin to form that healthy habit, this 40% of what you're in control of, where well, you thank God for what he's given, it will increase your happiness and stop you from becoming a person of demands and disappointments and despair. There's a world of difference to the child who runs to the Christmas tree on Christmas morning and sees a wrapped box as a box of entitlement. Who says, did I get what I wanted? There's a world of difference from that child to the child who sees the same box and says, look what I've been given. Thank you. The second point, purpose and happiness. As mentioned before, we believe in our culture that happiness is the most important thing in our world. It's become our purpose in life. Now, ironically, right, since the 50s, happiness has been decreasing in our culture. And so the younger you are, the more likely you are to feel at the end of the day a sense of unsatisfaction, of disappointment. Uh, anxiousness, am I in the right job, and in the right place? Do I need to change things? You're haunted by doubts of, am I really happy? Would I be happy if I, and so much so it's become our purpose and meaning that if I'm not happy, then you ask the question, what's the point of life? Our culture is setting us up to fail when it has happiness as your purpose in life. Because happiness cannot be the goal. Happiness has always been a byproduct, a side effect, the result of doing something else. If you chase after it, you'll never find it. If you pursue it, it'll always evade you. We are like sniffer dogs hunting for a scent and a smell and thinking that will satisfy. The purpose of your life is not to be happy. The Bible says the purpose of your life is to love. Jesus put it simply. Greatest commandment is love, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. You might be thinking, "Of course it's love. I mean, we are into love, aren't we?" But often there's hidden clauses in our love. They say, "Yeah, I love God, as long as I feel happy about it. Yeah, yeah I love other people, but as long as it's easy and I feel good about it, and feel positive." And we need to question: Are we actually loving God, loving people? Or are we just loving our own personal happiness more? We need a greater purpose. And God has given us this greater purpose to love. I want to bring in Jesus at this point, right? Jesus could have stayed in heaven after creating this world and giving us gift after gift after gift. He, even though we've used and abused it and done all sorts of terrible things, but he could have stayed in heaven and said, ah, the hell with him. Oh, I'll leave them to their own demise. But he didn't. He didn't put himself first. He put us and jumped into this world headfirst. As it says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, For the joy set before him, he, Jesus, endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus experienced the most unhappiest experience on this planet, and he did it motivated by love, a love for you to forgive, to show you a sacrificial, costly love. Now, you'll notice that this type of purpose in life, this this goal is not devoid of happiness because it says in that passage, for the joy set before him. Jesus knew on the other side of this horrific pain, this costly act of love, a greater happiness awaited. The God of happiness knows where happiness is to be found, and it is found in knowing your purpose in life is to love others. If you focus on me, 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 my happiness, my needs, you'll find happiness for a moment, but it'll evaporate like a drop of water on a 40-degree day. If you focus on others, motivated by love to build them up, encourage them, serve them, then a wave of joy often follows. Now, loving people is hard. Loving God is costly. Jesus was not smiling, but was on that cross. But in Jesus, we see that you can even be happy in the most unhappy of situations. And the only way you would begin to see that is if you change your purpose in life from not asking the question, am I happy, but to asking it, who can I love? When Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive, he's not joking. And it's not surprising that those who volunteer are more happier than those who don't. Why? Because they're loving their neighbor. Those in healthier, happier marriages are the ones where the spouse listens to the other, builds them up, encourages them, sacrifices what they want for the other. Those who have healthier, happier friends are the ones who are thinking not, is my friend meeting my needs? But how can I meet my friend's needs? True happiness is found in loving others the way the God of happiness has loved you. Your purpose is not to be happy. That is a miserable road to go down. Your purpose in life is to love. The third and final point, hope and happiness. Will I ever be happy again? I remember talking to a lady from our church. who was having a conversation with her mum. She asked her mum, Mum, are you happy? The mum said, no, I've missed out on happiness. And this world is broken. And you might be experiencing blow after blow, disappointment after disappointment, and you feel like you've missed out. But the answer to this question, will I ever be happy again, is simply, it depends. This is the 40% of what you're in control of. It depends. Jesus told a parable, a story about what we do now and how it affects eternity, how it affects heaven. And in this story of various responses, and one guy gets it right. And in Matthew 25, verse 23, it says this, where the master represents God. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Heaven is many things. But one of the things that it is marked by is happiness, an eternity of joy. And the good news is, even if you've missed out on experiencing happiness earth, you haven't missed out on the happiness to come. Because heaven is where true, uninterrupted, perfect happiness dwells with God. Why I say it depends, though is it depends on what you do with the God of happiness. It depends on what you do with the God who has gifted so many things, but at the very least, gifted his son, the Lord Jesus, who shown forgiveness and love to you. Because the reality is, is if you reject the God of happiness, then you accept hell, the absence of God, and all the good things he's given. See, where in hell, if you ask the question, will I ever be happy again? The answer is a flat out no. Because in hell, there is no God of happiness. There is no gifts of creation, of people, pets, of sunshine, of enjoyment. Their happiness ends. Jesus said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? A pursuit of happiness is a good one. But if the pursuit of happiness trumps the pursuit of God, then in the end, the result is misery. But here's the good news. If you wake up to the fact that Jesus has given you a gift, the gift of himself, the gift of love and forgiveness, and you accept that gift, then when, when this world ends and a new one begins, you will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, come and share in my happiness for all eternity. You may know of the comedian Michael McIntyre. And recently he did a Netflix special and they, they, uh, of a comedy routine. And there he, they filmed this just before lockdown in the U.K., early March. And so there was a thousand people in this uh, theatre and he's doing his comedy routine. And later, recently, he was being interviewed by James Corbyn. And James was asking him to, you know, reflect on what was that like, you know, all, all those months ago when we could have thousands of people in a, uh, a theatre and no one's social distancing and, and asking him what he's looking forward to when we can do it all again. And Michael said this. He said, we cling on to that amazing day when it all comes back, when we'll laugh again. It's going to be so joyous together again. As Michael said those words, I felt a sense of irony because every Christian, every believer in Jesus is also saying those exact words. Not about when restrictions go and COVID's done and dusted, but that amazing day when heaven kicks off when all the things that destroy happiness, like sin and death and sadness, go. That amazing day when it will be so joyous, when you don't have to fight to be positive in a negative culture, where the most saddest oppressed believer will be happy, 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 where the question, will I ever be happy again, will never be asked, or you'll enjoy a new heaven, new earth with new experiences, new emotions, new bodies, new people, where everything will be perfect, everything will be new, and everything will be happy. Will I ever be happy again? The answer is not give up on happiness, but you will find in Jesus the happiness you've always been seeking. I'm going to hand it over to Susan Ann, one of the pastors of our church. She's going to share some practical and biblical insights on in how you can boost personal happiness in your life.
2: Well, James has shown us that true happiness is found when we know our meaning and purpose in life. This meaning and purpose in life has been revealed when we know a happy God who loves us and we live for him. This is the key to happiness. Now, this doesn't mean that happiness is going to come effortlessly. Whilst we live on this side of heaven, we're going to need to work at it. We won't be happy every moment of every day, but there are things that we can do to increase our levels of happiness. So I want to share some practical tips on increasing our levels of happiness. And during this research, I discovered two things. One is that most of these tips are very similar to each other, no matter where the sources are coming from. Two, that many of them actually share traits with how Christians are called to live. So here are those tips. First one, get moving. Physical activity produces hormones that makes us happy. As much as we like to pride ourselves on being the most intellectual and intelligent generation that's ever lived, we are still physical beings in our physical bodies and our bodies are connected to our minds. So exercise has been shown and can impact our mood. Second tip, spend more time with your family and friends. Even if you're an introvert, spending time with your loved ones improves your mood. And this tells us how important community is to our happiness. And it's amazing when we observe in the Bible how God talks about how he didn't just save us, for us to have a relationship between just him and us in our own individual little silos, but actually that God continually shows us and reminds us that he wants us to come together as a community, as a people for himself, and to worship him together. Third tip is help other people. Spending time volunteering or doing something kind for others actually makes us happy. Again, it's amazing how the Bible talks about how Jesus, God's son, didn't come to be the king of the world, but to be a servant of everybody. And then he calls for everyone to follow his example. And so it sounds counterintuitive, but helping other people actually makes us happier. Fourth tip is meditation meditation clears our minds it calms us down it helps us to be more centered on ourselves and again a great christian habit is actually to spend a part of your day every day reading from the bible and then praying to god about what you have just read and understood about him it takes our minds away from ourselves We we can give our problems and anxieties and cast it to a power that's bigger than ourselves. And it helps us to remember who God is and all that he's done for us. Now, when I do this, I'm more centered, I'm less stressed, I'm more emotionally stable and just all around better at handling all the ups and downs that comes from my everyday living. And spending time with God not only honours him and what he means to me and my life, it's actually good for me. So the final point that I have is practice thankfulness. Finding a way to be grateful for what we have. And it stops us from focusing on what we don't have. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, stop before you eat and give thanks to God for providing you with this food. Keep a thankfulness journal and write down three things that you're grateful for every day. You're going to be surprised at how quickly the amount of things you have to be thankful for in your life just kind of piles up. Study after study shows us that people who have a genuine faith and attend church regularly are found to be significantly happier than those without faith. Of course, of course you can be happy without Christianity. And of course, Christians aren't happy every moment of every day. But as James has just said, the purpose of life isn't to be happy but for us to enjoy God and to live for his purposes. So now I'm going to spend some time practicing what I've just spent time preaching. I'm going to speak to God on our behalf. And if you agree with what I've said, I invite you to say amen with me at the end. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have created us to have life, meaning and purpose. Thank you that you have revealed to us, That life isn't about pursuing happiness, but that we have been made to know you, to love you and to serve you. Thank you for the power that this knowledge has given us. Thank you that we are loved, valued and precious to you. And Father, we are sorry for the times when we failed to know our purpose. When we made happiness the only goal for our lives. When we dismissed you as being unimportant, or irrelevant to us. Please help us to remember you and your goodnesses to us. Help us to acknowledge everything you have given us and to be thankful. Above all, Father, we thank you for your Son who has saved us from pursuing our own goals and meaning. And thank you that through him you have provided us a way to eternal happiness where we will never ask this question ever again that we have the hope of eternity in heaven, where every day will be bliss. And help us to hold on to this hope and to start enjoying you here and now. In your son's name we pray. Amen.